and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast review of music with myself, Paul Muadib, and my wonderful, good, amazing friend, Joe Fremming. Joe, how are you doing this evening, sir? I am doing just fine, Paul. Just fine. Just just fine. Just Nothing, fine. Just fine? Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. I want you to picture this. There was a time where one way or another, people were hanging on the telephone saying, will anything happen with their Sunday girl, Joe? <laughs> Telephones. <laughs> I know, right? you, couldn't even, you couldn't even, you couldn't even, uh, you know, TikTok on those old fucking phones, Paul. Dude, I was thinking about it. I, 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 I remember like getting like trashed at the Java joint and like having to call my parents using 1-800-COLLECT on the fucking public phone call the time. <laughs> the what did you do, a local call? Why were you calling collect? <laughs> because back in that day, you had to use quarters even for local calls. Yeah. So... There's that. Um, yeah. So, uh, by the way, I started smoking again. So, you know, fuck off. Um, Joe, we are doing Blondie. <laughs> Parallel lines. Um, what is your, I mean, I'll get into it, but what did you know, uh, uh, you know of growing up in the 80s about Blondie? Like, what was your introduction to Blondie? I think probably Heart of Glass. That okay. was just like the big big song of theirs uh you know i always thought they were a disco band because of that uh-huh and so like in my early 20s i bought parallel lines when i was working at cd warehouse and i was like this album's really good <laughs> you know like i think i may have misjudged blondie because like this is a good uh new wave synth rock album that just happens yes. to have one disco song on it uh, pretty much, and they ran with this disco song, by the way. And we'll actually get to that, I'll explain that. So, yeah, I think Heart of Glass, but not because I listened to it, because my, my, like, that wasn't on the radio that my parents were listening to, that wasn't their style of music. Um, it's because of all those, like, um, back in the 80s and 90s, there was all those compilation albums that, um, record companies were putting out and i remember seeing blondie heart of glass with like the fucking all the different labels of the songs and seeing a picture of deborah harry but my real true introduction to anything um was actually videodrome (laughs) with james woods and deborah harry and then i think it was was it um uh, I can't remember if it was the NSNL sketch or if it was the movie, but uh, Wayne's World, where they talk about her being in the phone book and what it would be like with looking up a Harry Deborah. Um, <laughs> the phone book. <laughs> I can't remember if that was a sketch or in the movie. But other than that, like, I was the same way, Joe, because Blondie was touted as this disco band. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird because they were more in line with CBGB and the Ramones and the punk scene than they were with studio 54. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, 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 right. Well, and I'll get to that. So, well, 
I was going to, I think this is a perfect time to do it. So the song that got them really into the disco and where they're considered disco was Heart of Glass and then later Rapture. Rapture kind of got into that scene because, which is really interesting because also had like really one of the first mainstream raps yeah, ever. Grandmaster Flash is on that. Right, exactly. And, but with Heart of Glass, the album came out in 1978 and from 1979 when it really started to take off blonnie was called back in to do a disc a five-minute disco version of the song and from 1979 to the cd release every pressed album copy of of parallel lines got the disco version not the original version. So um, for like eight years, you could not get the regular version of Heart of Glass. You had, which is like a three, almost four minute version with the disco version topping in at just under six minutes. So, and they did added some instrumentation and things like that. Um, they really leaned into that as this crazy disco hit, which is weird because by 1979, 1980, disco was really on the way out. So it does seem kind of odd to me that there was kind of this last gasp of disco. And here it is, this experimental proto-punk band <laughs> is the one that's like giving it its last gasp of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, super weird. So let's talk about Blondie and uh, get into him a little bit. So Deborah Harry is kind of an interesting story. Um, she was a former waitress and Playboy bunny. And she was dating Chris Stein. Um, it was a band called the Stil- um, uh He joined this band called the Stilettos. And Deborah Harry was one of the backup vocalists and they hooked up and started dating. And I did not know this, but Deborah Harry got her musical start in the late sixties in a band called the winds and the willow. And it was this folk rock band. And <laughs> it's kind of like when you find out Bon Scott from ACDC was in a prog rock band where he played the flute. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Where the Judas Priest was a started off as like a proggy seventies band. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know, they did this. They kind of started this this Extalettos group, and they originally were billed as something called the Angel and the Snake for a couple of shows, and then in nineteen seventy four renamed themselves um, Blondie. And they had actually Ivan Krell, who later joined Patti Smith as their original um, bassist. And um, yeah, like it's super interesting. Um, and then he left to go again, go with Patti Smith. And they brought in this guy, Clem Burke, um, who is also known as Elvis Ramon <laughs> from when he played with the Ramones and this Gary Valentine. And that's in 1977s really when they started to get their, get their start. And, um, you know, that album called plastic letters, which was doing all right. They had some power ballads. Um, they worked with, um, uh, uh, 
Giorgio on some of the stuff, but it really wasn't until this album with Mark Chapman, the producer, um, who is known for doing a ton. I mean, he was a juggernaut uh, in the 70s as a producer. He worked with The Knack. Um, he worked with New World. He worked with The Sweet. Uh, he worked with Smokey. I mean, this guy, uh, if, he did uh, Tony Basil Mickey. He did Heart and Soul with Huey Lewis and the News. God Pat damn right God damn right Tina Turner, Ace of Bass. This guy was awesome. So they get a hold of him. And I, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit. So after this album, they put an album called The Hunter. And then at 19, around 1982, 1983, um, Stein, Chris Stein is just, they don't really say, but I'm going to assume it's heroin. Um, was really, really into some shitty fucking drugs. And so was Deborah Harry. And to the point where they had to sell their mansion um, because of all the debt of, of the drugs and everything they were running up. At one point, they were, as a, as a couple, were over $1 million in debt. Um, and a Deb- semester of college these days, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And, um, that was a, um, that was a five bedroom, uh, mansion, uh, back in the day. Um, but that's how far gone they were. Um, I mean, and again, you got to talk about, they had a bunch of hits. Um, Deborah, uh, Debbie was in, um, movies, um, like polyester and Videodrome and, but all this shit, they were just so far in the drugs. So they ended up splitting up and um that's broke up the band and it wasn't until 1997 that communication started to happen again and they kind of did their way and like a lot of bands are doing now now they're kind of a touring band and doing whatever but with this album in particular what's really fascinating is deborah harry and mark chapman did not get along um, she was uh, Mike Chapman. Excuse me. She I was, was gonna say, did the, yeah, he get so upset he shoot John Lennon? <laughs> pretty much. No, but they fought a lot, and um, he had a he. Kudos to him because he really went into it. And he talked about it where, um, he's like it was it was horrible when they first started re- re- rehearsing, um, and. He's like, they didn't realize what they had for hits. And, you know, he's like, look, you guys are making a great record. You do whatever you got to do. So there was points where Deborah Harry would have, he cited her. He's very polite. He's like, she was very moody and very high, and highly emotional person. And she would disappear in the bathroom for hours, bawling and crying and was, you know, finding out later it was a lot of drug use and that type of thing. Yeah. And, I was going to say, I think his sexism overshadowed the fact that she was just going to the bathroom, the spoon coke up her nose. Pretty much, pretty much for hours on end. But besides the sex, I mean, he just realized like he was really able to read her. And as a producer was like, 
I knew when they gave her space and he's like, and honestly, he said, what was really cool was some of the best songs would be, I'd be like, Hey, you're ready to record. And she'd be writing down, finishing the lyrics and being like, yep, give me one second. And five minutes later, she'd get up there and had just these lyrics made for these, for these songs and things like that. And he's like, it was just magic. So, um, that's what they did with this one. And what's also fascinating is not only did was, was he fighting with Blondie, he was fighting with um, uh, Chrysalis, the record company. They almost they were on the they were on the edge of saying this album is terrible. We're gonna completely redo it with a different producer. And he had to get on the phone with them as he was leaving, like as he got back off his plane and convincing the studio that he was gonna do a few things and they were gonna have an absolute massive album on their hands and the again the whole time the 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 record company was going i i don't think you did it man i we really don't think this is going to go anywhere we don't really like some of the things that you did on here and he really had to convince the labels to do it and he's like just you know what let's 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 put out let's put out a couple singles and see what people say and that was the compromise and boom parallel lines blew up um yeah remember this was the time when music was changing and so Blondie's up there with these art school kids and dropouts and whatever hanging out at CBGB. So you have television, you have Patti Smith band, you have the Ramones, you have Blondie, you have Talking Heads, and the, the these labels had no idea what to do with these bands. <laughs> it was like the it was like you know like with the '60s, they had no idea how to deal with a lot of these, uh, a lot of this shit. Cause labels were run by old dudes who didn't care. Right. And again, as you brought up and we'll talk about this when we, when we get into it is this album, I could see there is so many genres going on and sometimes it's just, it's not even in just one song. I mean, it's not even across the album. It's in one song. It goes from like a weird proto punk intro to a 60s, 70s, uh standard pop rock song but with this weird instrumentation it's there's some really fascinating work on this album and again people would not know it um again i i still think people joe to this day because of rapture and heart of glass are convinced that bondy was disco and they were far from it yeah, this this was like, you know, if you listen to this and you listen to like say London Calling and Sandinista by the Clash and like Talking Heads, it's like these bands are like musical sponges who are just like soaking everything up they could and throwing it all against like somehow making it work. It was kind of a really wild time for music that you really won't see it. you'll never see it. We never saw it again. Yeah. Absolutely no, complete. And I'm listing this album too. And I got to admit, we will never have another because of the way things are done with like American Idol. We will never have another like Deborah Harry like singer. Yeah. Um, it just won't happen because there's a, it's it's the imperfections in what she does sometimes that are the perfections. Kind of like when we yeah. talked about Funhouse. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's kind of add to the charm where today everything's just so overproduced and super slick. And yeah, it's just. It's tough to make this kind of stuff. I mean, I tried listening to like some newer music re- recently, and it was just so glopped with production. Like, I just, 
I quit. I had to turn it off. I was just yep. like, this is this is just studio made. Like it sounds like yeah, sounds good, but it just felt just like a creation in a studio by a bunch of people and that were just trying to make a hit. It was pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, should we just jump into it with hanging on the telephone? Yeah, because it starts off with a banger. There's back-to-back bangers, let's just say. Yeah, it's back-to-back bangers, 100%. So that's what I have right here. Hang on a telephone, total banger, super smart, strong start of an album. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, you have to understand, back in the day, kids, what phones were. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this is obviously, I mean. Yeah, uh, I mean, people weren't answering the phone. It meant they weren't home. Yep. It's like, a, you, know, if you, li- I, you know, if you listen to The Wall, like the whole thing with mis- lack of communication, it's kind of lost these days because everybody has a goddamn phone on all the time, which I hate. Yep. Now but they don't even use the phone as a phone. I never no. use the phone as a phone. No. You know me? I actually get startled if my phone rings. Yeah, you know me. I, 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 I'm gonna call up my sister because I know she doesn't listen to this podcast. She <laughs> refuses. You put your sister in the blast zone. Yeah, I'm gonna put my sister in the blast zone. Um, so she's one of those people where she's like, she'll she'll shoot me a text and be like, hey, ask me a question, and then don't call me. Just respond by text when you can. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? Like, why do you, why are you paying? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I know so many people that won't even answer their phone anymore. Now, what's interesting about this song is a cover by a band called the nerves. And a lot of people don't even know that it's a cover, but what's, what really got attention for this one was the fact that it was Deborah Harry it's a female being incredibly sexual on the phone, which in 1978, which by nowadays it's nothing compared to WAP, but in 1978, this was scandalous. This was absolutely scandalous to hear a song of a woman saying uh, on the phone, I heard your mother. Now she's going out the door. Did she go to work or just to the store? All those things she said, I told you to ignore, like, like inviting fucking, like trying to set up a, a, a sexual, like whenever you're going to meet or doing phone sex and having the woman be the one initiating it. Totally. This was, this was a big deal. It really was. Um, that's wild just how backward everything was just a few years before we were even born. So, you know, I, I will say that. So funny thing, I was having a hard time. We talked a little bit before the podcast, but I was having a hard time finding stuff to sleep. My insomnia for personal reasons has been through the fucking roof. And, um, I watched meatballs. Because <laughs> it was on, I was like, "Oh, meatballs! I love this movie as a kid." Oh, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, Joe. Holy fuck! <laughs> like, there's so much in that movie that's problematic. You know what, was, Paul? I'm starting to say I think I like problematic movies. I, I think I do too. But there's a scene in in it where I was and like, "We were talking about Porky's before," and there's there's a it's I love for it's very. <laughs> <laughs> it's most well-known scene is 
Probably one of the most problematic things you'll ever see. Are we talking about the dick grabbing scene or the, yeah. or the, <laughs> of course I'm talking about that. Dude, the aftermath of that scene is brilliant. But the whole point when they're all in the fucking principal's office and she wants to they want to bring in a sketch artist. <laughs> oh god. And then I don't know if you've ever watched the show Community, but then they have they they kind of did a, a flip on that, and they kept calling it like "What in the Reverse Porkies?" <laughs> it was with women instead. Of- <laughs> yeah, no, Porkies is not a movie that's problematic. But I mean, I'm watching Meatballs, and I'm like, man, this seems so innocent at the time, but when you look at it, you go, "Oh fuck!" And again, that was made. I think in eight, 79 or 80, it was one of Bill Murray. It was Bill Murray's first starring role. Um, so he was in Caddyshack, but that was just a small side character. Correct. Correct. That was just, yeah, this was his first starring role. And really, this, it was the start of him and uh, Ivan Reitman's fucking crazy collaborations that they did of those strings of hits. But. Anyways, the point is, is that, yeah, it, it's weird that just it's a couple of years before we were born, the fact that a woman was singing these lyrics sent people in a fucking tizzy. That's weird. For, that's weird to me to think of. Um, speaking of sending people in a tizzy with another female strong lyric, uh, you got one way or another. <laughs> yeah, well, the woman's the stalker now, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, reverse porkies. <laughs> Drive past porkies. your house and if the lights are all down, and we'll see who's around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I, this song. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think this. I, uh, Joe. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I actually, I'm gonna. I did know about this song because this was on classic rock stations a lot, <laughs> but it didn't. So was. It still is, but it didn't click with me. That it was Blondie, right? Because again, you think Heart of Glass, you don't think Blondie. It's a very uh, aggressive rocking <coughs> song, yeah. Rocking, I'm like, I'm my dad now. God. Yep. Rock, <laughs> hey, we did the oh, thing that's on some dad rock. Rocking music. What well, are some rocking music? By Iron Butterfly. <laughs> Iron Butterfly <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Funny story about that song, but that's neither here nor there. Um. It was really supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, but he was so trashed in the studio that he couldn't say it. <laughs> so they left it. Um, and their bass player mysteriously vanished. Weird, right? Have you ever? That's <laughs> the whole conspiracy theory about that. Oh, oh tell me the conspiracy theory. I, I, I well, knew he was that. like a. Well, ta- I'll talk about it because I don't have all the facts, but I remember he was like a contractor or something. He had something to do with the government after he was in iron butterfly and he just mysteriously vanished one day really under suspicious circumstances. Oh my God. Uh, Google it. It'll probably pop up. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I am. Now I got a rabbit hole to look at when we're done here. Um, I'm laying in bed. So another really strong soccer song. And I got to admit, Joe, like I think this song as a young male, really um gave me maybe the wrong <laughs> like i started going after the wrong women like i want i want a woman that's gonna sing a song like this like this is love <laughs> yeah and i think it set me on a really bad trajectory of really yeah, same here pal <laughs> <laughs> some really bad bad some bad decisions but probably because of this song that's yeah. like germinating in the back of my brain <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, this stalker, man, this is this this is how I know 
This is how I know a woman. This is how I know she loves me, Paul. Yes, yes. This is how I know she loves me. Whoops. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, no, this song is an absolute banger. Really great way of going. Uh, Next, we get uh, a picture. This, Joe. What was your thoughts on picture this? Uh, Yeah, it's it switches it up. Uh, It's kind of a slower song. Uh, let me see my notes. Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of, uh, in it slows the pace down. It's a little different, but it's not the left turns that I, that come that I like. So I don't know. It kind of felt fillerish for me. It did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they have some left turns coming where I'm just like, it starts where I'm like, Oh no. And then I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. Oh boy. <laughs> You know, I will this say it doesn't take left turns. It almost feels like proto Sunday girl. It does feel like proto Sunday girl. Absolutely. It does. Now I will say though, there is a theme going on in this album and Blondie Deborah Harry is horny. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's all because of the cocaine. It's the, <laughs> the cocaine. I will forever pronounce it as Dewey, like Dewey Cox, man, <laughs> the cocaine. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I really do think that had a lot to do with it, but yeah, no, Deborah, Deborah Harry was horny. Um, yeah, she's like Peter Steele horny on this. Uh, all I, all I want is a room with a view, a sight worth seeing a vision of you. All I want is a room with a view. I will give you my finest hour. The one I spent watching you shower. I will give you my finest hour. Oh yeah. Like, holy fuck. All right. Yeah, I'd be weirded out if somebody watched me shower, honestly. I don't know. I've been there once or five times. Anyways, the point is, is that it's a good song. Um, it is switches it up a little bit. It has some really good, strong pop sensibility with mm-hmm. a little bit of that kind of pop, proto. I don't want to say proto punk. It's more proto pop punk yeah. because this has a lot more sensibilities. It's, just, it's new wave. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a, a. I used to not like it, but it's, it's probably the best, better way to separate it from like Ramones. Yeah, so like these bands from the Ramones and you know GGL and shit. Like, you know, it's a little it's slicker. It's it still has that uh, punk mentality, but it's very just uh, you know new wave. I'll just call it new wave. It's yeah. Yeah. It is. It and is. I, again, it, it feels like proto Sunday girl without the catchier hook. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. It's fine. I like it. I, I'm not saying I hate it, but I just, uh, you know, it feels like it weird to have this and Sunday girl on the same <laughs> to me. I like, or at least it's called part one or two. Pull the black flag. (laughs) Absolutely. And, but I don't, okay. And here's why I I, I get uncomfortable calling it new wave. Cause now we're going to get the fade away and radiate. What the fuck? (laughs) Well, this is the one of the left turns. I love. I love this album, by the way. I love it. But fade away and radiate. I I fucking love it starts. Like, I'm just like, Oh no. Cause it's like that uh, baby girl. You know, like when women like sing like they're little girls mm-hmm. and it's like, I guess some people like that. And for me, I just get fucking creeped out. I get creeped out by it. I get cre- I'm like that Betty Boop thing where I'm just like, oh, don't don't, don't do that. Don't. 
there's a psychology there that 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 fucks with me when I hear it. And so I guess because I know the psychology behind behind that, like it's like a giant red flag for me when I hear it. And I'm just like, Ugh. but the fact that you have that going on with the really, I mean, this is I I've written down here. Uh, in my notes, a very Black Sabbath esque guitar work. On yeah, it. yeah. There's <laughs> like, the, like it takes like weird. Again, this is a left turn, and like we've talked about, like we we seem to gravitate towards the left turns on albums. Oh god, this is one of them, and it's yeah, it has very Sabbathy guitar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I, I this is one of my favorite songs on the album, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, this is yeah. Yeah, this is a, such a strong, un, un, uh, underutilized, uh, underrated track. And again, the the lyrics of it are really interesting. I mean, very, I think, uh, LSD-esque. Um, they really put in some vivid, like the vividry. Ooh, baby, I hear how you spend uh, nighttime wrapped up, uh, wrapped like candy in a blue, blue ne- neon glow, fade away and radiate. Ooh, baby, watchful lines vibrate soft in brainwave time. Silver pictures move so slow, golden tubes feigning, gl- uh, faintly glow. Super great stuff. Like just, mm-hmm. it, it creates this imagery and it's unnerving. And then you have the guitar work on it and you're just like, fuck, where did this come from? Um, because it is such a weird left turn. And it's like nowadays, no one would be allowed to put that in. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they could, but then you'd be an indie album. You wouldn't be put out by a, a major label. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, and then we then we move into Pretty Baby, which like again another left turn, man. It's just another, another <laughs> left turn. Um, like this whole middle section of this album is left turns, and I'm I'm in I'm here for it, man. Me too. Me too, dude. Yeah, this is like, like you know, it kind of has like some spoken word shit at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it goes into like this 1950s throwback vibe. Yes, which is like fucking just. Yeah, with some I love dis- it. with some disco sensibility in it. Yeah, with that pop disco. Um, yeah, it, it's so good. It's I think, I mean, it felt like I I put a like I felt like it could have been in like Crybaby by John Waters, you know. Yeah. Um. I abs- Oh, hundred percent. Well, and she did polyester. with yeah. She and so I. I this is probably what got John John Waters probably heard and it was like. Fuck! I need that for my movie. John Waters movies. I have a feel. I want to say she was in. Uh, uh, let me now. Now you're now you're throwing me for a loop on that one. Um, but let's let's. I guess we'll take a we'll take Hairspray. a rabbit hole. I feel hole like she was in Hairspray, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. Let's anyway. Well, no, hang on. We're gonna we're gonna jump into this here. We're gonna. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's get some more of that dead air going. Yeah, I'm hundred percent. So her first movie was Deadly Hero in 1975. She was in the another big one. She was known for was Videodrome in 1983. Um, she was in uh, Terror in the Isles. Uh, she, you're right. She was in Hairspray. You are right. She was Velma von Tussle in Hairspray. Yeah, I vaguely remembered that. Yes, that's why. That's I was right. Like... Yes. Um, but and then they did the music for polyester. Um, but they were, she wasn't in it. Um, but yeah, no, she had a really good kind of. I mean, not great, but she definitely um, had a string where she was in movies and uh, you know 
did her Deborah Harry thing. I mean, she is truly an, an, an artist. Um, she's done video games. She was in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um, yeah, she's, I got to give it to Deborah Harry. She's fucking, people talk about Madonna uh, being like, and Cher being like these ridiculous innovators. And really, I think Deborah Harry mm-hmm. is so always just overlooked for being amazing. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. That, so you were right on on that. Um, but yeah, no. Pretty baby is a great weird song that just again right after you go from like fade away and radiate, which has like this seventies heavy metal to this yeah weird rock disco. Yeah, psychedelic lyrics. <laughs> it's 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 just. Again, it's a melting pot album, and like I, it was like that time, man. People were just doing that, where they were just getting away with it because labels weren't really interfering with shit, so bands could do what they wanted. And you, especially around this time, man, they were doing it. This and again, Talking Heads and <laughs> the Clash, like then you had the hip hop groups, you know, Africa Mabata doing what he's you know, like, fuck, there's just people are just left to do their own thing. And it was pretty amazing. Yeah. hundred percent. You're I, I, I could see why the studio was scared of this album. Um, but at the same time, how could you not listen to some of these things and go, fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I know yeah, it's, it's weird. We're looking at it from hindsight they were looking at it from a different point of view. Uh, next, we get to I know, but I don't know. Yeah, I put in my notes like like some of the music felt like it came out of a screwball 80s comedy. It worked for me, but uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the duet part. I wasn't either. Nope. 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 Um, the thing I did like in the beginning was the keyboard riff and then yep. the heavy guitar. That was really good. But yeah, th- there is some there is some faltering on this one. Yeah, again, uh, screwball 80s music. <laughs> yeah, it's very screwball. And this, the thing is, it's not even 80s. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I it's mean, late it is. 70s. So yeah, yeah, they're ahead of the time with like. <laughs> way, way ahead, way ahead of the time. But, you uh, know, maybe not for the best. Because <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not my things, favorite. It's not my least favorite, but it's. Uh, I give it props for the being trying for the experimental. Yeah. Like, like. Again, Blondie should be touted as one of the great experimental artist groups. And they're instead of a fucking disco thing, they got so fucked by history. Um, next we get is 1159. I put filler song. See, now, not me. I put another proto punk new wave. I it, it, like I enjoy it. I actually really enjoy the song. Um, I. I I don't know what it is about it, but you know me, I like that punk vibe and I really got a good new wave punk vibe on it. Like, you know, today can last another million years. They could be the end of time. It's 1950. It's a 1159 and I want to stay alive. Um, let's, let's take the highway down like a rocket, like a rocket to the ocean. I don't know. There's things about it that I really enjoyed. Um, but I could see where you would think that's filler as well. But for me, I just, it, it, I, I have that for the next song, which was "Will Anything Happen?" Yeah, that too. Like these, for me, I feel like there's factions in the band now, where it's like we got to be punk, mm-hmm. or the other faction was like, "Well, let's, let's not pigeonhole ourselves." And I think that's that conflict for me. The, these two songs 
come out. That's why they kind of stick out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, yeah, this one is not like like I dislike them, but they just feel like filler. And it's, I mean, it, the worst. And I'll just say right now, the worst song on the album is the last one. So like he was oh. this last time, yep. we end on a fucking. <laughs> the album goes out on a like a real. Clunk. Yeah goes on on a clunker the the thing with this one will anything happen i, I have it as a filler song but it's it's not I, bad it's, it's that's the thing like i think i want to make it clear because sometimes you have like there's uh three types of filler songs right you have the bad filler song you have the average filler song which i think is actually worse than the bad yeah because song. it's just uninspired it's just Right. Yeah, it's in the same vein with the other, so let's just crank it out or something like that. Right, and then you have a good filler song, which is, it's not a banger, it feels like filler, but it's better than what it should be, and you know it's better than what it, uh, it better, it's, it's better than it should be, and that's what this one feels like. Will anything happen? Um, it does hit a pet peeve of mine, which is the lyrics, that now this is one that's really, oh. <laughs> lyrically it's it's it just pisses me off but because it's just you know if you do will anything happen will it come true will anything happen will i see you again will i see you again want to see you again will anything happen holy fuck shut the fuck up um but it's a short song too so but um then we then the album switches again and we get sunday girl yep a classic stone cold mm-hmm. classic blondie classic again we get two bangers back to back which is kind of weird because it's it's kind of how the album starts with two hits and then right like I mean it's heading toward the tail end of the album they're like back to back hits. Yep. Very weird how that happened because you don't know if something's gonna be a hit. Well, you know Heart of Glass is gonna be a hit. You knew Heart of Glass was gonna be but a Sunday hit. Girl, you don't, but it's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. It's such a good yeah, and it's the at least the version I got was the what's called the French version. Um yeah, and mine was, a, mine was an American, Paul. So I knew what she was saying. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it, it is. It was in American, but it's just called like I don't know if they released it differently in France or whatever. Like if it had like a little more of a disco, or if it had a little bit more of whatever, like instrumentation wise. But it was the French version, the, the version that was released in France, still in English. Um, uh, so uh, it's good. I mean, it's, it's depressing. Um, yeah. It's, but it's, you know, hurry up, hurry up and wait. I stay up all week and I still wait. I got the blues. Please come see me. What's your loving mean, uh, means to me. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up and wait. Um, you know, yeah, it, there's just Blondie was, Deborah Harry was going through some shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it would be right after this album. I mean, uh, they would only do a couple more albums and they'd be done. So, and I, and again, I I think they were in the thrones of their drug height in this. So, um, then you get heart of glass, Joe. I mean, what do you say? It's fucking heart of glass song on the album. Yeah. I I love the left turns. Like this is just, it's undeniable. It is. It's a hit song. This is the song song. you, you hear in a movie where it's either going to show a club scene right at the beginning of a club scene. Mm-hmm. Or somebody's going to do a fat line of coke. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. This is, it's, it's a, it's a banger. Now, again, the version I heard was the original, was the three minute, not the four minute or not the six minute disco version. Yeah. I got the regular one. I listened yep. to the, yeah. Cause it was the remaster. They put it back on the, 
they put the regular version back on the remasters. Yep. And so, yeah, it's just, and according to them, it was, the song wasn't about anyone. It's just, was that feeling of what happens when you, when you you break up and the song was was co-written by both Deborah Harry and Stein. So I think they probably were fighting and going through a thing at the time and wrote their lyrics out much like a lot of bands in the seventies did. They just wrote their fucking looking at you, Fleetwood Mac, right? <laughs> putting their shit out there for everyone. So um, then we get the last two, and these are both filler songs in my mind. Um, I'm I don't gonna mind love, the Buddy Holly cover. I'm going to love it's you, It's not too. my favorite, but. No, it, but it's there. and it's, it's better than just go away. I'll say it, that. Like, I it, love, but maybe because I, I'm a huge Buddy Holly fan, so. Sure, sure. Sure, and I can get that. It's it's a suitable cover, yeah. But again, um, it's like when uh, sports ended with the Hank Williams cover. Like, why are you doing that? This was like, okay, well, it's time to wrap it up, and then you get just go away, where you're like, oh fuck, they should have just kept that one. Is that ended with "I'm Gonna Love You Too" and just fucking call it good? They really should have, um, because just go away. Lyrically, I wanted to like it. Because lyrically, it, it is, I think, a smart song in terms of what of what she's trying to do. But uh, it's bad. And they're it's like, bad. This is where you you feel like the punk faction are like, well, we get we got to have this song on here, and it's just like, why? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, it's I mean, even the the one thing that did kind of take me out of the lyrics was if you talk much louder, you could get a word from the Federal Communications Board. What the fuck? God damn it. Like, no, like someone should have said just no. Uh, but I think, again, it was just a filler song. Get it on the album. Get it done. Yeah, um, yeah it's a bad one. This is the only al- song on the album I will say is bad. It's bad. And I, 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 I do think that even like there is some sequencing issues with this album. Of, of You know, of course there is. <laughs> But I don't think anywhere on the album this this would have fit. This, this would have fit. I, I mean, again, when you can make fade away and radiate fit and not just go away, like this is this see, is an could, ex- you know, like with the sequence. I could see the Buddy Holly going with Pretty Baby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they both have that fifties vibe. Yep. But yep. This one just go away doesn't fit anywhere. It doesn't like, what fit the fuck anywhere. Is this thing. What is this? Yeah. And that brings us to the end of Parallel Lines by one Blondie. Um, before we get into our our takes on it, well, no, let's give our takes on it. Joe, would you recommend Parallel Lines by Blondie? Yeah, it's a really good album. I really like this album. Again, it's just, the sequencing's odd. I mean, you could probably sequence do a sequence yourself now since we have the technology with streaming services, but into a way that's more, uh, I don't know, please. Like if I was, if I was going to, if I get the time, I probably will just. <laughs> Move some tracks around. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, it's a, it's a classic album. So yeah, absolutely. It's good. A lot of great songs on it. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, I, I agree. I have to completely recommend it. Um, there's just banger after. I mean, th- th- we talked about we went from doing Huey Lewis' greatest hits album. This is essentially 
a greatest hits album. Well, it has four of their <laughs> four of their hits on yeah. it. Like, yeah, this album. Yeah, it's so, one of those albums. Yeah, like Huey Lewis. This like Nevermind by Nirvana. Like mm-hmm. Ten by Pearl Jam. Like it, it has all the hits on them. You know. Yes, completely agree with you, and the critics would agree with us as well. Um, this was this album fucking charted like nobody's goddamn business. It was number it was uh, number two in the weekly charts in Australia, number one in the UK, <laughs> number six in the US, number two in Canada, seven in Dutch, eleven in Finland, nine in Germany, Italian, New Zealand, Norwe- I mean, this was fucking everywhere. This absolutely blew the fuck up. And it was on the charts from 1978 to 1980 and it was it was still on the fucking charts for almost for fucking two years um it i mean uh, all music five star blender five star um pitchfork 9.7 q magazine four out of five rolling stone magazine four out of five slant magazine four out of five there just there wasn't a lot of hate on the album um however um, the Village Voice in 1978 said that Blondie still could not write a perfect hit single. The record was an improvement over their second outing, Plastic Letters. Years later, he wrote for Blender that it was the perfect album of 1978. <laughs> like the Village Voice is, yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yep, you're a little wrong there. Um, well, they so, got that was kind of a flip thing publications were way up their own asses a hundred percent and and we all know journalism's dead at this point anyway so whatever uh <laughs> no i'm kidding no. um but uh it, it was just it it when it comes to critics i think especially you always have those outliers that get sucked up in their own ass and want to be the contrarian and hopefully that they get the, 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 the people from it. Right. And that's what I think this Robert was doing in 78. He was trying to be, because he's the only one, everyone else was like, Holy fuck. This is power pop. This is new wave. This is disco. What the fuck did these guys do? And this is the only voice out there. Like, I think it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> this was not a dirty album. This was not a dirty album. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, y- y- you, this is Blondie's biggest album. Um, and to the point where there has been so many remasters and so many reeditions, because this is just a money maker of an album, uh, to the point where they, they I, one of the remasters has a live sh- as like live tracks of them doing covers of like Bang a Gong <laughs> from T Rex. <laughs> I guess that was a staple of what they would do live at one point was Bang a Gong by fucking T Rex. Um, so yeah, I. You can't say no to this album. It's undeniable. It really is. Yeah. So that's 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 it. I mean, again, uh, kind of the aftermath. Um, I got into it a little bit, but they put out an album called The Hunter, um, and it didn't really do very well. And again, at that point, both Deborah Harry's and Chris Stein's drug use and relationship was at just a complete breaking point. 
Deborah would go on to do some solo, some solo music would never really get to that height. Um, Chrysalis would get bought by EMI records. And as I said, they put out a bunch of compilations cause it was easy cash grab cause this album's just such a fucking banger. Um, in 1997, they would work things out. Although there is a notorious, and I don't know if you remember this show when they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and they actually fought on stage. I don't remember that. So <clears throat> a couple of the members were uh, like, like they've kind of had people come in and out of the band over time. And when they were uh, brought in to do um, in March, 2009, um, Shirley Manson of garbage was the one that actually inducted them. And seven members were invited to the ceremony and two other former members showed up and during the live broadcast started from the fucking floor because they were going to perform that night we're like hey we're gonna we want to perform with with you guys we want to we want to be and deborah harry was like what the fuck are you doing here no (laughs) and it yeah it became like this it was a thing for a little while. It was a big deal in 2006 because it was such a contentious moment in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't see something like that until fucking Big Baby Jesus with, uh, with ODP. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's that's Blondie. And they're still I think every one of the members is still alive and doing things. They're all fucking ultra talented. Yeah, Chris Dine's like he was he's like he has a lot of great photos from the the scene from the like CBGB and stuff. Like he has like a book of like photography from that era. So really interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's um um I I got to get into it. Like I said, I know a little bit about it and things like that, but I, I, as I messaged you when we started doing this, I'm like, we really got to talk about how Blondie was not a fucking disco band. Like the, and just how experimental they really were and how that got lost in the annals of history. Um, yeah. So there we go. Joe, anything else you want to bring up about the Blondie? Nope. Nope. All right. Joe, uh, plugs, buddy. Uh, yeah, we just released the two crank reviews. Uh, we're going to do a short hiatus and we'll come back with Hudson Hawk. Nice. Which uh, is, It's going to be kind of hard now because it just came out. Well, as we're recording it today that uh, Bruce Willis has full. I know. Dementia, so, yeah, it's I don't think he's got much longer. Um, yeah. That's really sad. And Hudson Hawk. Oh man, that was that was a rough movie. <laughs> I remember my mom renting that and not shutting it off like halfway through. I, I think uh, my dad saw it in the theater and he was just angry. <laughs> like he said it was like one of the worst movies he ever saw. Yeah, no, my mom turned out like my mom was angry that they rented it. Yeah. She was like she was pissed that she spent like the three dollars to rent it. I couldn't imagine going to pay to see it in the theater. <laughs> uh yeah. What about you, Paul? You got any plugs before before we I let you know about our pick, our next pick? Uh, I am. Um, 
I'll hold you know, on. Delaying it's not going to make it any better, Paul. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I am working on a conspiracy theory podcast um, that um, that will be coming from a different point of view um, than like we're going to discuss all the like. We're, I want to look at it and be like, what the fuck is driving people to think this way? <laughs> kind of a, a, a take on it, not like a we're going to dive in the conspiracy theories and give them credence. This is very much a what the fuck and i'm not talking like your standard ones like i'm really looking at some like really crazy ones over the history of time not just modern day ones of like 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 um one of the things i've been researching is breatharians people who don't believe in eating or drinking um it's like a cult that all they can do is breathe because we need to be with nature and we can't eat or drink anything and of course they all die a long life you know Um, Mm. survival rate for that's got to be through the roof mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep yeah it, it was it was it was good it was good it's, 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 you know it was up there with the quakers they they succeeded uh, <laughs> so, um yeah that's i don't know when that's gonna happen um but it is something that i've been writing out and and putting effort into so that's 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 that joe um and yeah and i'll have some other stuff maybe next week that I'll discuss when we get there. But uh, speaking of next week, Joe, <laughs> yeah, what are we, what are we, what, what, what are we doing, sir? Oh, Paul, you okay. know we've had a good run here. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! So I, I went and did some more research, and I peppered out the the wheel of shit for <laughs> had some more uh, more stuff for you to pick for us. So, Paul, we're going to the wheel of shit. Yeah, man. Oh. That's in between 1 and 14. Well, Monty Hall, I will take door number three. Oh, boy, Paul. We're going. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, this is not one of their best, that's for sure. We're going to be doing the Rolling Stones Emotional Rescue. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> yeah, Emotional Rescue, Paul. Not, not one of their stronger albums. <laughs> mm, no. No, it's not. Gosh. <laughs> Some would dare say it's probably one of their worst albums. Uh, Hence why it's on the wheel of shit. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, ugh. Oh, uh, here we go, Paul. Rolling, we're going to do finally do a Rolling Stones album. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're not doing, you know, Exile on oh. Main Street or... You know, no, no, no. Satanic Majesty's request, or I love that album. Um, okay. They have no, they no. have good albums, Paul. The, you know, Sticky Fingers. You know, yeah, they do. Yeah. Beggars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Beg- you happen to pick Emotional Rescue, Paul. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like how you blame me for this shit. Hey, you know, like, I left it up to chance, and you. You knocked out a Rolling Stones pick on Emotional Rescue. It's not really on me. Uh, I think this one only had one hit. Wasn't that She's So Cold? <laughs> I think so, Paul. Yeah, I think it's... I remember think that's... that big hit, She's So Cold? I, I actually like She's So Cold. Thank you, sir. You would. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so... 
Uh, yeah. All right. Huh. <laughs> um, you know, Ooh. sent it to me is one of their biggest hits. I thought. Um, go ahead. 1980. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This was they. A lot of bands struggled on that 1970, 1980 uh, wheelhouse. Like a lot of those established bands really struggled. That's uh, part one, Paul. But there's no part two on. And there never <laughs> should have been a part two. Ooh, look at Ooh, look at know, that title track, Indian Girl, Paul. Indian Girl, Summer Romance. Yeah, where the boys go. Down um, in the hole. Down in the hole. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Uh, well, yeah. thanks a lot, Paul. I can't believe uh, you picked that one. <laughs> I know I'm such a terrible human being for picking that album, you fucking gaslighter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe, um, real quick, uh, UFOs. Uh, I want to report on that because by the time this comes out, we might know that there's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> What we live in the dumbest timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. We do. Yes, we do. Can't believe China finally got balloon technology, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it would explain the exploding batteries on our phones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Exploding batteries, weather balloons. <laughs> Next thing you know, North Korea will have a will have the ability to launch a rocket farther than fifteen feet. Uh, what kind of world do we live in? Dumbest timeline. Um, <coughs> maybe those fuckers in Australia will finally start something other than a fucking penal colony. Um, all right, Joe, I'm burnt. <laughs> do you got anything else you want to discuss? Nope. You want to take us out? No. Did we love you? Did we hate you? Do you even care? Yes, you did. We're the best damn review team out there. How did we rate your album?